0: I forgot about that. <laughs> oh god, okay, well hello everybody, welcome to the uh, George Music Gamers podcast. I'm laughing because I started the theme song this time on a special tune made by Kevin, but I left it on the possession part. <laughs> With the clapping. <laughs> anyway. Uh, It's your host, Cyber. I'm here again. It's been a few weeks. We are all here. Let's see who we got in the room today. We got The Train, local superstar. We have Jinx, who is a new listener slash, I don't know, uh, participant. (laughs) Kevster, Kevin's here, Raven Mac, and myself, and hopefully some more people will show up later. Uh, We are back from Momocon, so that will be the main topic of tonight's show. Uh, but before we start, I want to introduce some of these new faces. I don't think we ever gave the train a chance to properly introduce himself. So if you want to go ahead.
1: Okay. Hello. I am, um, the train. I'm from Athens. So pretty much any arcade takes me about an hour to get to.
0: And what's your favorite game?
1: Probably 2DX right now.
0: I was hoping you would say Densha to go.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah, that too. <laughs> the, the train is our local um, old head, but like he's probably one of the youngest members of the Discord. And his taste in video games is exquisite. It's perfectly Boomer-esque. <laughs> and we love him for it. All right, and Jinx, it's a new face. A uh, new face to the Discord too, right?
2: More or less, yeah, more or less. I didn't know that this Discord existed until relatively recently.
0: Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: All right. Well, howdy, Jinx here. I am uh, mainly a guitadora player. Uh, they just recently opened our round one here in Nebraska, so pretty far from the rest of you, I think. But uh, I'm getting used to uh, the new the new drum setup. I'm loving it, and uh, pretty much I talk about my kids more than anything. So yeah, I'm just a persnickety old
0: person. We have a term for old people. We, we call each other old heads. It's a term of endearment. <laughs> so.
2: Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll totally buy
3: into that one.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Jinx. And then, of course, we have Kevster, the man with the dollar sign in his name.
3: Hola. I am the Florida man that everyone on the news reads about. I mainly play DR, but my favorite rhythm game is actually Amplitude, which no one plays anymore. Ooh. Oh, That's all right. a-
0: you're talking about the PS4 version or the old-school PS2? Old-school
3: PS2. Yes, PS2. I like the PS4 version, but the P- PS4 version has no licensed music, so that's a bummer.
4: What are you talking about? They licensed a 20th anniversary song an Insomniac. That sounds licensed to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks, uh, thanks, Kevster. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. We A bunch of us went to Momicon this past weekend. Uh, For those who don't know, it's a four-day convention in Atlanta. Um, It bills itself to be comics, video games. Uh, They do have musical performances. It started off as a convention at Georgia Tech, actually, run by some of the students. A bunch of them are my friends. And it grew into taking over the Georgia World Congress Center, which is uh, this big old convention center in the middle of Midtown Atlanta next to the CNN building and a bunch of other sites and stuff. It's pretty close to the Coca-Cola factory for those who've been down here. And yeah, man, it's a a big deal for a lot of us because it's the opportunity that a lot of us use to hang out. You know, a lot of the people in the Southeast who frequent our Discord, so it's cool to see a lot of people again. You know, Kevin was there, of course. I ran to the train. Vincent was there. A bunch of regulars and a bunch of people from out of state, so If you have the opportunity to come you should it's pretty fun uh they've already announced dates it's usually around the weekend of memorial day so next year you should be there uh a big reason why i like to come is to spend time with friends of course but tokyo attack comes and basically brings his entire collection of games shout outs to anthony Amphreny, uh capo bahonko anyway uh (laughs) This year we saw a lot of Chew so I want to get your guys' thoughts on Chew It's
5: fun. Wow.
0: Raven. Personally, I didn't
3: (laughs) go to the MomoCon. I was at MegaCon, so.
0: Sounds like you made a mistake, bro.
3: (laughs) I don't have money or a car to go up to Georgia.
0: But that's okay. One day you will, and when you do, you'll come to MomoCon.
3: A man can dream.
0: So, so, Raven brought the hookup. Last year for Momacon. he brought a handful of gloves. Like, they were like two, white, dozen. two dozen white cotton gloves that people were using, mainly Weren't for. They nicknamed the poorly made gloves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I they... wore
5: through two pairs that year.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were mainly for Mai Mai, which is everybody likes to call the washing machine game. But this year, what did you bring, Raven?
5: I looked on Amazon for extra thick cotton gloves and they were super cheap so I bought one dozen and I was kind of surprised when bringing uh, actually getting up to the convention because only two people actually asked for the convention that they needed gloves but after that first day everyone was starting to complain and they knew how to find me
0: <laughs> so our man Raven was working in the land center and he was which is like right next to the arcade games mm-hmm and man, those gloves—they saved the day. I don't have to touch those gross sensors for tunism. <laughs> like, and they're really—I mean—they felt great. Like, they felt awesome. They were a nice, a nice thick texture. I felt like I was cosplaying with them on.
1: <laughs> I still but, have uh, the gloves I got from you last year.
0: So I had
5: to throw mine out.
0: Oh, the the you talking about the white ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- thank you, Raven. If I didn't thank you, then I'll thank you again on the show. <laughs> no problem. Because that was a that was a lifesaver. All right. So uh, there was also another interesting phenomenon that happened during Momocon, which I kind of saw coming, but I did not expect the extent to which it would come. For that's a poor phrasing. Um, there were a lot of uh, pr- of a particular type of clothing around the convention. I think, I, think, I think Kevin's our resident uh, expert in this. Would, would you like to explain for the class, Kevin, what we saw? <laughs> so,
4: as we all know, there are some unsavory images on the internet. And some of them group around a certain style and pattern. Uh, it turns out everyone at Momokan, knowingly or not, is a huge fan of the hentai artist Asanagi. Uh, he's mostly known for how he likes to draw faces kind of at the climax of his stories and someone decided you know what this would make for a great clothing pattern and apparently as we found out so did 105 other people at Momocon.
0: That's like 115 you counted I
4: mean, oh, oh we absolutely <laughs> counted uh, we kept a running total of photos i took a selfie of one of them uh but it wasn't just the shirt the shirt was being sold there so if you saw it thought it was a great idea you could get one while you're there but some people bought in a little harder than others. There's a, one car that had the hood wrapped with the pattern. Um, a car. One guy committed all in by having a hoodie, backpack, pants, and shoes all with the same pattern.
5: I missed that guy.
4: That guy, that guy committed to it. Uh, <laughs> there were a few others that were in color that worked from Asanagi. And uh, as far as we know, of the 115... Only one person actually bought the official shirt from the original artist that Faku made. The rest are all Chinese bootlegs.
2: Did did you get any pictures of the guy decked out in the whole outfit?
0: Oh absolutely. <laughs> Hold on. Yes, we did. I posted the highlights in the channel. Um they're on my Instagram, but I'll I'll specifically find that one. He was actually pretty early on that we got. He was number nine. Uh so what I I used the hashtag I used the ha- I didn't realize how many people had looked at this already. I shared it on on Twitter, but I used the hashtag uh, #ahagao counter. That man. Oh, oh man. wow. <laughs> that man. That is nuts. that is
2: the fabled. <laughs> that is the. That's the fabled ahagao right?
0: Shoutouts to Blake. Like, he he took this guy was decked out in a hoodie, pants, a backpack a face mask and, and shoes he had shoes on
4: I'd it's, also like to give credit to Blake for taking this in the most jojo angle possible Yeah <laughs> You're approaching me
0: <laughs> The angle was perfect I don't know if I'm looking at
2: I don't know if I'm looking at a person or like a you know a 2021 sports car that they're track testing you know, you- it's like that crypt- that's that <laughs> camouflage that dazzle camouflage I can't see
0: any shapes <laughs> You're looking at the the Ahegao entity. Yeah. Yes. It really is. So yeah, yeah we it looks uh.
3: no like, uh, <laughs> you thoughts. to camouflage.
0: Yes, the camouflage. <laughs> you stand. You stand next to a doujinshi Do- and let the camo activate. So yeah, it was it was for sale. I uh, I, I want to give special shout outs to this guy though. It, it got so bad that I was look. It, I was essentially. Anytime I saw like a black and white pattern on a T-shirt, I I pulled my camera out like it was that pervasive. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think that's a better example. I, I like that one better. That one's actually JoJo's related. It says Muda on it a bunch and it has Dio on the front. But in any case, yeah, it, it was an epidemic. Uh, it got some traction on traction on Twitter. What was that?
1: Uh, one of them was actually my friend's brother.
0: Oh, Lord. Is that the one that you took the picture when he was sitting on the bed?
1: Er, no, he was uh, on DDR.
0: Oh, on DDR. Okay. Did you ask him what was wrong with him? <laughs> no. So, I mean, so people understand, like, I'm, you know, officially. We're not trying to, like, specifically make fun of people, and we're also not trying to call people out. Like, I, I made an effort to to hide people's faces. This is more of a, like, a, what's the term? It's oh, like a announcement. A, e, sure. It's like a PSA or, or an accounting of how pervasive the issue was at the convention. Some people earlier in the Discord were all like, "Well, oh, you're shaming these people." You know, it's very controversial. I understand that. I'm not all about like telling people what they can and can't wear. Or, you know, being about body positivity, but I think most people would agree that it's kind of like it's lewd. And, I
3: mean, yeah, it's
0: lewd, but does not really and need
3: to be controversial? It's just like a piece of clothing.
0: Well, the the issue is, is like what what's the message you're sending out? And Momocon actually does in its marketing and all that stuff. It built itself as a family friendly convention. I mean, they've got you you can talk about the shoot Kevin. You you were participating in the Girl Scout thing. You yeah, fortunately
4: you... no Girl Scouts showed up because of a joke I made during that panel, which would have been a real problem if Girl Scouts were there.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh,
4: for the sake of maintaining the integrity of an event I'm going to advertise later, I'm not going to repeat the joke.
0: Okay. <laughs> Don't do that. But but tell us like what, what the event that you were involved. Like not not your panel, but the, the how we got involved? Yeah, the adjoining event.
4: Uh so Wait, the, the one I'm about to advertise, or how the Girl Scouts got involved, but we did it?
0: How the Momocon. Girl Scouts got involved.
4: All right. So, uh, Bill Shilido, DM Astra, and I, we run the uh, Para Para and Tech Para panels at uh, MomoCon. You don't know what they are, they are a style dance, very line dance, uh, mostly dancing the Euro beat, like uh, Dave Rogers, Deja Vu, that has a routine. And we teach a new routine every year. Usually end up teaching too, because we have such great students who learn so fast. Anyway, apparently our great teaching caught the eye of the BooC organizers because as a part of a deal with the Girl Scouts of America, Girl Scouts could get reduced uh, badges, reduced cost badges to BoboC, uh, and as a part of a new program, could get credit towards badges by participating in certain panels. And so if you are a second or third grade uh, girl in the brownies and had not gotten your dancer badge yet, you could get it by coming to our intro to tech Para panel. So you, there are girls out there who uh, maybe got their badge with a uh, hip hop dancing, maybe with ballet, but they could have also gotten it by learning the routine to X-Rave by D.M. Ashura.
0: Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> so yeah, that that was the that was their involvement, and so like it just goes to show you that yes, there were children at, at the convention, and so it becomes weird when you're walking around something that was designed to be overtly sexual you know people were arguing that oh it's not sexual it's a piece of clothing but i mean i I, the intent is very clearly that and that's how the joke started in the first place like the whole thing yeah go ahead
2: to be clear though i mean for anyone who doesn't see these pictures uh, and even then i can't see super detailed on the clothing but there's nothing explicitly Erotic or, se- or sexual, right? There's nothing like we're we're, we're not seeing like a, a mosaic out, uh, you know, tip or something in these, right? I mean, it's all facial expression, correct?
5: Yes. So I yeah, mean, some of them do the have
3: a, a little extra something on their tongues, but
2: <laughs> you mean I'm bo- assuming bo- you're bottle- not talking about taste buds,
0: but bo- bottles of milk.
4: <laughs> yes, mega milk. uh Miley, I, I know we we're talking about this. My actual real problem is kind of what I mentioned earlier how did this many people buy a shirt and not like only one of them actually paid any real money to the original artist? Like that actually makes me more mad than anything else as a guy who works on this.
0: (laughs) The the attribution is Kevin's angle. Also, if we're going to talk
4: about attribution, if any of you found these faces and think, I want to know what this comes from. The central face is from donkey donkey revolution. Most of the surrounding faces are from the victim girls series. And there's a little bit from TSF, no F 2 append. So if you want to know where these faces are coming from, get reading you can read almost everything i just mentioned officially on faku because they paid for the rights to his uh dojin work
3: or if you want it for free just go to An hentai
4: yeah you can but the point of this is that a a shirt this famous should not result in literally no money going to the guy who made all the art
2: on it i you know as a as the feminine perspective here i have to agree with you kevin the fact that the original artist didn't make the money is what pisses me off
4: The funny thing is, like, Faku put a ton of work into one getting the rights to it because they got it just in time for Anime Expo last year to have the shirt for sale. And there were actually a fair number of people wearing the official one at Anime Expo last year. So I have no idea how the unofficial one got so many more sales in the meantime. I know it's probably cheaper.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably cheaper, and it's likely like on Etsy and those other types of stores and stuff.
4: It's actually like the first result on Amazon, so just the bootleg Oh, no.
0: Well, then, yeah, that's that's ridiculous.
4: Yeah, I think that's where my friend's brother got it from, was Amazon.
1: I think he ordered it, and his parents were like, why would you buy this?
4: <laughs> why would you buy that when you could buy the special Kevin Turner resume off your <clears throat> shirt? Now currently in production. I'm about to get the proof.
0: Yeah, that's right. Kevin decided to make his own. <laughs> These are from
4: everything I've worked on. <laughs>
0: Uh, we see that Wert has dropped in. Wert owns an out shirt. I do, and I didn't purchase it myself. <laughs> do you want to post the photo of you from for, with the tortillas in the background? Yeah, let me let me see if I can find it. I love that photo. <laughs> it was for a friend, wasn't it? I yeah, was yeah, yeah, a yeah. A friend, a work friend, got it for him.
2: I mean, it's completely applicable. He... Clearly, she's eating nachos. She has a bit of sour cream mangled. Yep.
6: <laughs> yep.
2: How else would you interpret this, you perverts?
6: Get your minds out of the gutter. Exactly. No, it's not
3: sour cream. It's a white American cheese with some.
6: It's queso dip. <laughs> it's <a> queso
2: dip.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, as in like,
2: as in like, queso. Okay, that happened.
5: <laughs> Got him. In
2: defense
4: of the not being overtly sexual, maybe it's because of the distance they saw the photos or whatever. I actually did have to explain this to coworkers, and these are coworkers who know what I work on on the side, so their first assumption should be the most lewd one.
2: I mean, yeah, from this distance, it looks like sexual birch bark. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh God! Like, like, imagine I. I know what I want to make now. I want to remake Take On Me's music video, where they're in that drawn world, but now he has this on there, so it's basically camo. All
0: right, so <laughs> I can't I can't sense your face work. Sorry, but but yeah, that's wor- <laughs> that's where Handsome
2: gentleman. at
0: work, at work. <laughs> at working hard. at
2: Bell Street.
0: Eat <laughs> at her. Bell Street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she,
6: she's, she says, "Load me up." Someone in that photo <laughs> I'm is ready for hard. that burrito.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard Bell Street was making breakfast burritos, so you can have burritos all day and night. I
3: don't think that's enough uh, for a girl on that shirt. <clears throat> no, I get the yeah, I get the. I go to this really good Mexican place, and they have a burrito gigante, which is just like a super massive burrito. And If you finish it like under an hour, you get your your face on the wall.
0: All right, we're, did you make
4: that face when you got on the wall?
0: Yes, yeah. word needs
2: to go <laughs> get one. that face on the wall.
0: <laughs> Eat my burrito. So yeah, it was pervasive. It was a it was a big big trend. It was a big deal. Um, I think generally the response on Twitter, anyway that I could see, I searched Momocon eh, Ahigao just just to see what how many posts there were. Uh, one relatively famous guy. I guess he was an artist or something mentioned that and so the photo that blake took was the one that rose to the top so just to remind everybody it's the number nine <laughs> on the aigao counter so a lot of people got to see that image so shout out to blake too bad he's not here i, think, I guess he's working or something that that's that what one
6: has, has real jojo energy yeah yeah
0: we, we were mentioning that earlier it's got the jojo angles if if this was pokemon snap i would rate that the the highest score
6: <laughs>
3: wonderful
0: it still I really like the, I
6: think it was seventy four or seventy five. One of the ones I took at the rave with that dude, just like staring, just
0: staring in into space, astonishment.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I can. I he's can
0: looking up, up to the quick. sky, bro. He's looking up to the sky. Let's see. I can. Uh, I think it's in the highlights. I can. I can find it real fast. Yeah. Well, yeah unless you have it handy, um, but I'm loading it up. Yeah. We at the oh. at the rave there was a bunch. We we saw a bunch. All right. Go on. What were you gonna say? I got a bunch of like two.
4: I was the only one bold enough to actually get a selfie with someone and say, hey, I need to take a picture with you because my friend's been talking about you. We're, we love your shirt.
0: <laughs> we, specifically that guy. We, we love his shirt. Just just oh. look
3: at that pose. Just look at him, just menacingly standing there.
6: He, he's, he's ready to throw down.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's quickly approaching Uncanny Valley. He's just like one T-pose away from being like a really broken mind. <laughs>
6: Speaking of T poses, Hector, you know that guy that spit on Dafa Yes, yeah. What about him? I, I'm pretty sure I saw him T posing at the end of the con, oh, wow. and I was like, that was so last year. <laughs> Dude, that was like last year.
3: Assert your power, it's never dead.
1: Asserting your power
3: is always alive.
1: Everyone was like reciting 2018 memes. Like I was in the hot tub, and everybody was just like, "Do you know do way?" Oh my God!
0: Really? <laughs> are, are you talking I about the, the the Omni the Omni on the fifth floor yeah. or whatever? Oh wow!
3: HopTub time machine. Uh,
0: the sixth floor, actually. Uh, excuse me.
1: <laughs> yeah, when they closed, uh, I just took the stairs because we waited for like fifteen minutes and there was only one elevator.
6: The elevators were a nightmare this year. I, don't, I think it's some of them were broken. There's, I don't know. It was a lot worse than the past years.
2: Did you say someone spit on Dot Phase? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, rewind, because I think we we glossed over kind of. It, I mean, a it It was, <laughs> <laughs> it
5: was like
6: spittle, she like a. Uh, um, no. Like just just from him speaking, it wasn't he? Didn't oh, like. Oh, it, like and... like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a malicious like. He wasn't like I the... don't like you. <laughs> oh. No, nah, he, he was just a <laughs> spit talker. <laughs>
5: He was upset that my instructor. shirt.
6: Yeah, I, I was wearing my like '90s cartoon shirt, and he was pointing out that Pokemon isn't on Nickelodeon. And I was like, "Yeah, and there are half the other characters on this shirt." And <laughs> the whole time, he's just spitting all over nothing.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, Kevin also spoke to that guy during the yeah. DDR tournament. But well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, yeah. Where you, you? Do you have a picture of you in that shirt? Oh, I wonder if we have a picture of you in that I, shirt. I probably do. It, it's okay. So it's basically it's another one of those just like really colorful every character shirt on it. But like his shirt was. Back in the 90s. Color, yeah, it was like 90s cartoons and stuff. And he comes up and complains to Wert and it's just like, why do you have Ash on your shirt, like Ash from Pokemon? This is <laughs> this is supposed to be Nicktoons. And Dot is sitting next to me, <laughs> and Wirt is standing up next to Dot. And so he walks up. You're supposed to be Nicktoons. And then we're, you know, frustrated. It's like, well, why is there Beavis and Butthead? And why, you know, like he's pointing out all the other conf- conflicting cartoons on there. <laughs>
2: is there a Daggett and Norbert on there?
0: Uh, Probably. Yeah, there, there, there we go. That's damage. That's Dot. Didn't that same dude at the
3: convention also complain about other things?
0: So yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get to that oh. soon. But basically, he was spitting all over like Dot's glasses and his arm, <laughs> and it's just like little, <laughs> just like little pieces of shrapnel. And so I understand that Kevin also had an encounter with the same guy.
4: I've been having encounters with him for the past three years, and it's the worst part of Momocon I ever. <laughs> I feel
2: like there's no graceful way to withdraw yourself from that situation. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> then
4: stop trying. He would literally just give him the shortest answer he could think of to whatever he asked. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I think I, I saw him last year, and it was like, "Why aren't you guys running DDRA yet?"
0: <laughs> it's like, no, we can't do that because there's <laughs> concerns. What? Well, what was funny is that we we didn't tell the end of the story, but after he spat on Dot for like five minutes, he he ran up to the. the machine to the bars and they were doing a tournament match (laughs) and he just like got uncomfortably close to the two-player uh person and like at that point like taylor turned around sponge he just like waved him away and i decided to yell at him because it's like they're playing a match he he looked like a deer in headlights unfortunately but we we he eventually got the clue and moved away
4: (laughs) it's amazing to me that he did that because he spends the entire tournament complaining about Rules in the tournament, and then does the most obviously wrong thing you could do in a DDR tournament.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh my god!
4: And he wanted what? us off the pad so quickly, just so he could play an 18 on cut one, which basically <laughs> takes all the difficulty out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not here.
3: This uh- dude.
0: Look at this for, dude.
4: For a lot of you, this is your first year interacting with him, but I have no patience. I've been interacting with him for three years, and it's been terrible every year. Yeah, I mean,
0: this is, <laughs> this is news to me. I didn't realize he had been going to the convention for that long, so. <laughs>
3: Does he, like, scope you out every year? Like, is he just on your radar?
4: Yeah, he found me day one. Uh, he found my Smooch shirt. He's like, oh my god, I, I like your shirt. You know what it's from? Yeah, it's from Smooch. <laughs> Oh well, have you seen the video? Like, you know, you could do the video in, in DDR. Like, yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> oh
3: my god! Uh, dude,
4: he told me this from about ten feet away. I think I could still feel the spit from there.
3: No. <laughs> no, next year, like you're on you're on a car ride, and then like you just meet each other at the parking lot.
0: Oh my that, God. If
4: I had to sit next to him on the train, like on Mars, there, I'd probably give up on Motocon that year or just find a different <laughs> like, right,
0: That's it. I'm going it was, home.
4: I, no, I know but... we're, I haven't said a whole, whole lot about him in the past because apparently not a lot of other people interacted with him, but now I have backup. The thing is, you kind of feel hesitancy to talk about him because he is very clearly on the autism spectrum. There, there's literally no other way. Uh, and at some point, you have to kind of pull your punches with people. with literal medical social disabilities sure sure but i can't handle it anymore i'm done
0: yeah like, there's you're, only <laughs> you're not
2: re-enlisting for a fourth tour <laughs> yeah there,
0: i mean there's only there's only so nice you could be like you know sometimes you just got to be a little straightforward anyway uh, enough about that kid <clears throat> we also did uh, a really cool thing i think at the convention i guess i should set it up so um some of you may, who have been following us, may realize that we did a really cool YouTube video, really neat thing. It's pretty awesome, I think. Uh, we like to call it the Top 8.4 Rhythm Games. Have you seen this, Jinx?
2: Negative, sir.
0: Okay, well, you're in for a treat.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I wait with bated breath.
0: <laughs> you got to watch this. We're not going to play the whole thing. Oh, God, that blew up my speakers. Kevin's. Kevin is so loud. That's right. All right, so check that out when you get the chance. It's a great video. Highly recommend it. Um, so on Sunday at 10 a.m., I was looking through the program, and I saw that there was a rhythm game panel. It was called Follow the Music. And I said, hey, that looks pretty interesting. I might want to go to that. I volunteer at MomaCon. That's that's how I get my badge. So I was like, hey, uh, what, what's this panel about? So I, I start asking around in the channel, in the Discord channel, and like no one knows. So uh, Vince takes it upon himself to ask some people up, and it's people that I know too. And it turns out uh, no one's running that panel, which I thought was kind of weird. I, I guess they assi- they signed up for it and then they did just can't make it to the convention. So I get a message from my friend at like 10 a.m. the next day. And it's like, hey, Hector, how are you doing? And I'm you know, like, hey, what's up? Uh, what are you doing on Sunday at 10? I'm like, uh, not doing much. Would you like to run a panel? <laughs> and so that's what ended up happening. So a panel, a rhythm gaming panel, just fell into our lap. And uh, at that point, we got Kevin. Obviously, he's here. And Hello. and uh, Vince and Gerald, which he's a, another college friend of mine. He works with, like, con operations and all this other stuff. And we all put together a panel. And so it was a lot of fun. I think it turned out pretty good. We So what we did is we basically kept the theme of the panel, and we just built around it. Because we don't actually know what the panel was supposed to be about <laughs> originally. But we sort of tied it to like music game theory and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Dot Face also joined us, which was pretty nice of him. Um, he was basically he was an unofficial guest. What I'm gonna do is I'll show you a couple of the slides and we'll just go over some of the key points because unfortunately we didn't record it. Like we took photos and stuff like that. And Kevin did a thrilling performance of the Pump from uh <laughs> well USA by the Pump, which is one of our <laughs> one of his favorite songs. <laughs> is, is that fair to say?
4: <laughs> well, before that, I need to shamelessly promote the uh, Power Power panel from two days ago.
0: Right, <laughs> and uh, he he actually did the performance while we were playing it. But <clears throat> essentially, we we talked about music theory. We we discussed different aspects of music games. We talked about how charts are built in certain games. We gave examples of games that actually did teach you how to play music games. Uh, and we had a pretty decent crowd. I'd, I'd say we well, I don't know people tell me about thirty people showed up. I I mean, Wirt was there. How many people do you think were there? Um, I think 30 is a
6: good estimate.
0: So for Sunday at 10 a.m., not not bad at all. Um, And so, yeah, we basically just talked about different things. Uh, Here's what the main topics were. Let me get you a screen cap of that. We talked about music theory, chart style. And artist style, or Charter's Intent, which is kind of a meme in itself. Yeah. And And let's see, this was something that we debated on the panel, this next slide, about whether or not if you play a music game, does that translate into real life skill? Uh, I think Kevin had a pretty good explanation. Do you want to just like do a quick recap of that, Kevin? Just yeah. Main, main point.
4: Basically, our argument is that it actually probably, or at least my argument is, it probably does. Especially with the uh, advent of games like Rocksmith and uh, the Pro Mode in Rock Band 3. Basically, when you're trying to learn how to play bass guitar, any real instrument, there's pretty much two elements. There's actually being able to get the sound out of the instrument. That part doesn't actually get any easier. But knowing what you're supposed to do to get a good musical line going, a good melody, anything like that, music games actually do help with that. For instance, when I started learning how to play bass and guitar on Rocksmith, being able to read notes like you're already used to from Guitar Hero, if you're really good at it, like you, you basically destroy that half of it. it mm-hmm. You're just super fast at it already. And that made learning guitar for me way easier than when I tried in say middle school. Uh, reading sheet music was a pain. And that's saying something, because I already knew how to read it from playing trombone. But it was a different staff that I'm used to. I wasn't really aware of this note names at the time. So having this uh, notation format that I was more used to, closer to what I'm good at reading, really accelerated me getting better at the instruments.
0: That is that is fair. And then on the next slide, we played a, uh, well, what the heck is that? Uh, that's not a video at all. Control click here. It's a white square. That's weird. <laughs> Uh, we then we played some videos. Uh, you guys are free to look at these at your leisure. Uh, it basically is like a drummania video. <clears throat> it asks the same question. We've posted this before on the channel, I think, maybe a long time ago. But we we showed some video footage of uh, what's that song called? Rintoshte? I guess it's the short version of it. Yeah. Uh, How's
2: Basically, it? the Bimani uh, National Anthem. As everybody
0: it goes across everybody the- loves it. It's on every freaking game.
2: <laughs>
4: Flower's better.
0: Well, this song has flower in it, so what are you going to do?
4: Oh, good point.
0: <clears throat> so, Rintosh de Sakuhana no Gotoku. That's the full title. Everybody's heard it. It's on every game. And it, it, he plays that bit. And then there's a bit later in that video where he plays Ochiya, which is like an Izumi song. But it's got a bunch of tabla and bass in it, and it doesn't sound anything like the drums, of course, because the the way that the thing is charted, it's charted like uh, like like you're playing a tabla and bass, and as opposed to actually like an actual drum kit. So those are the, those are the examples that we gave as cases where if you play the chart it sounds in, on, on, like an actual drum kit, it will sound like it, and sometimes where it, where it doesn't. So the, the point we were trying to make ultimately was that sometimes charts are accurately charted, and sometimes they're charted for difficulty. That, that was the, the blanket term, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so Kevin then went into Guitar Hero slash Rock Band land, and I'll, I'll go ahead and post the slide uh, that you did. But we were, he gave a bunch of examples of like mechanically how these things work. So if you, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you understand how most of these games work, um, especially the people in here. You guys have probably played these simulators, but effectively, if you want to go over that real quick, Kevin.
4: Uh, basically, the point was like, we kind of start with Gitadora, That's a good place to start because it's kind of the granddaddy of the guitar simulator genre. The thing is, when Harmonix took their crack at with making Guitar Hero and eventually moved on to make Rock Band more functionally the same, they added more things that made it function more like guitar. Uh, things like the note uh, that is closest to the neck of the guitar uh, is the only one that matters when you're doing single notes. Uh, there's hammer-ons and pull-offs. Those aren't in Guitar There's a very subtle slop window where if you strum right before fretting, it still counts, which also works on a real guitar. They just made the whole experience more like playing an actual guitar, which led nicely to them officially supporting guitars later on in Rock Band 3 then giving up on that when they realized no one wants to play in a party setting and have to learn uh, solos way far in advance.
0: Um, And then I I also threw that that Rocksmith uh, example too. The song we we played was was Through the Fire and the Flames, right?
4: Yeah, it was the bass chart. The point of showing that was... The obvious conclusion would be like, of course, we'll get Adora and Rock Band are gonna be different, but Rocksmith has there there has to be only one way to chart the actual bass part. I mean, you have to sound right, right? And the answer is no. If you look at this, if you look at Rocksmith's version of it and uh, Rock Band's version on the first note of the bass part, uh, Rock Band puts it at a three on the A string, uh, third fret, and uh, Rocksmith puts it on eighth fret on the E string, which is one lower. Those both produce the same pitch, but have your hand in a different place. And there's a lot of reasons they could have done it. Uh, alternating strings is a lot easier to read in Rock Band 3. On the other hand, maybe the Rocksmith developers noticed that the bassist for uh, Dragon Force likes to play it on a threat, so they went with that instead. That doesn't even guarantee that's necessarily what they did in the recording studio, since we already know from Dragon Force themselves, they cheated a ton when they recorded through the Fire and Flames. They can't play most <laughs> of it live. The fact that there are Rocksmith <laughs> players who can play it live means they are likely better than Dragon Force at playing the song. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, I went That's to, really um, saying
1: I went to see Dragon Force in 2017, I think. That was a really fun concert. <clears throat> did they uh, did they
0: play it at the same speed as the game? Probably not, right?
1: I don't remember. I have the recording somewhere.
4: Uh, the video I got that picture from, they do play it at the right speed. They just, they just play kind of sloppy. But they are playing... Mostly the same thing.
3: <laughs> Mostly, why do you say most?
4: Uh, like for instance, the opening part in the studio is cheated. It's with a synthesizer. When they play it live, or when you play it in Rocksmith, you actually need three different guitars to play it.
5: Are
3: you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I'm only good three at three separate backup. guitars, or like a three neck guitar.
4: Three separate guitarists. So there's two lead parts, and then a rhythm that's hitting this uh the whole note strums behind everything. Like I'm only good at playing the uh part uh open harmonic part that's like on top of the lead part that you probably hear. It's like just basically a fifth above everything. Uh, that's the only part I can really play at all, kind of well. Um, someone has 100 percent of that in Rocksmith, which means they're probably better at it than the real guitarists. Yeah, than
0: the real. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> and so uh, the next slide or the next point we, we make, uh, we I called it Asian. Rhythm versus U.S. rhythm, um, and basically it's just driving home the point again that some charts are difficulty based and gameplay based, and some games are specifically uh, trying to be a simulator. Versus while, while some games are charted like around the limitations of the of the game itself, right, the way that the engine is written and sort of stuff like that. So the example I gave that you might have heard of before is soft landing on the body. To 2DX song, and as far as we know, it's uh, we're fairly certain it's the first time that this type of mechanic was found. Where if you're not familiar with the chart, uh, it has a BPM change for like no apparent reason, really. Like the song sounds the same, but the BPM doubles and speeds up really fast, and then it slows down to a half of what the original BPM was, and then it speeds up it, speeds up again. You can look up a, a video of a soft landing, but it's it's on it's on the internet. Um, I have a link, but yeah, soft landing on the body. Anyway, it that was because that was the first one they called that technique Soflan in Japan, and sort of the name is sort of stuck. So anytime you get like wild BPM changes or just BPM changes in general, people refer to it as Soflan. And then of course, any opportunity to show off Kevin's cool emojis, <laughs> we did a, a slide on paranoia. Which was great. Hold on, let me get you that quick. Kevin made this. You guys may may have seen this. It made me laugh the first time I saw it.
6: I think that SoFlan kind of specifically needs to be like a wide enough BPM change that you wouldn't be on the same high
0: speed normally. Yeah. Usually it's like a really high speed, like double or even more of a BPM change. There's a lot of songs that do that now in 2DX and DDR and a bunch of other Konami-based games. Old Poppin' Bob to do that. Oh man, Poppin' Bob's a mess. I love that paranoia (laughs) face. Paranoia Kappa. Do you want to briefly talk about paranoia again? Yeah.
4: Paranoia is a really interesting case. And some of this is... I'm not going to say unsourced. I've read it before, but the point of the matter is DDR First Mix was made in six months and it shows. Um... The big problem was paranoia when they got to it. Basically, from what I understand, the timing system is not based on absolute number of milliseconds around when they want you to hit the arrow. It's based on the note intervals surrounding. And by note interval, I mean like a thirty second before or after. I have no idea what the actual window is, but I do know it's based on note intervals. Which means the faster the song gets, the tighter the timing windows get because the thirty second gets relatively shorter as you get faster. So the problem was it fixed with this...
3: in one point? five
4: or no? It was fixed in second, I think. Um, you get, The other half that was weird about first mix is you could only chart quarter notes and eighth notes. Nothing else could be charted. And this leads to a problem. So, if you're uh, Konami, and you're like, well, alright, I want sixteenths because that's where notes land in my song. The only way to do that, if you can only chart eighth notes, is to double your BPM both beyond what it actually is so sixteenths become eighths. But we can't do that because the timing window gets impossibly tight if it goes any faster, so they had to set, or when uh, Naki had to write *Paranoia*, he had to stick to 180, which was already kind of impossibly tight. It's, it's definitely not as easy as it is right now in *Ace*, and he just had to pick the rhythms that fell on eighths, on um, eighths and fourths, and they had to stick with that. And even figuring that out and testing it was hard because all the charts were done through hexadecimal editors, uh, so charting anything was a massive pain. Uh, they didn't come up with a really good format to like maybe fourth mix. Uh, before that, everything else was just basically pain. Uh, you can actually see this difference because the singles charts for Paranoia only have eighth notes and quarter notes. Doubles wasn't added until they supported sixteenths and later mixes. And so the doubles charts just have a wildly different feel because they supported sixteenths. They are also, all the charts are still affected by the fact that all of the original songs in first mix were uh, had their BPMs tapped out by hand rather than just written out. I have yeah. no idea why they did it that way. Yeah. It feels like writing out the beat in advance would be a lot easier to program than manually tapping where each beat lies, but <laughs> I can't say anything. I have never had to design an entire arcade cabinet and a game in six months.
3: In six months? Yeah. Why is Six that?
4: months. I don't know, uh, because Beatmania happened in that time, and like, Konami was making money hand over fist with all their music games, and they didn't want to let the momentum die. Like, you have to remember... Every DDR game up to Extreme, like there's a little bit of a hiatus with DDR Max. These things were getting cranked out like every nine months. It was crazy fast.
0: So, yes, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, the next bit, uh, I actually probably can share this. We talked about how <clears throat> songs are charted. Kevin put together a really cool uh, video arrangement here about 6 megs. I'll probably go ahead and just play this for everybody on the recording once it's uploaded all the way. <clears throat> but essentially, we wanted to explain how you make charts. And so, we started with Beatmania, we talked about key, key-sounded stuff. Not every game is key-sounded, of course. Um, a lot of the early ones were especially Beatmania, of course, pop and music. And, and there's still a couple The now that the The licensing or the, I'm sorry, the patent on that is over. There's a lot more companies doing it now, although that didn't stop other companies from trying to do it previously. And so Kevin made this really cool example of a song you may have heard. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and play it for the recording here. So that was Kevin's rendition of uh, Simple and Clean. (laughs) Yeah, boy. And that was part of the the video that I linked earlier, Jinx, if you want to check out the 8.4 Top Rhythm Games. I I really want to, you know, as an aside, I want to hear what you think of that when you watch it, Jinx, since you haven't seen it yet. And, like, really pay attention to it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll
2: give you, I'll give you a full critique and breakdown.
0: Because, because I would be super interested in hearing your thoughts after you watch it. You can message me later. I'm, if you I'm want. really, I'm really interested in, in watching it. And so, uh, so continuing along, this is an example. Uh, the point is, you know, these charts have different instruments, and these different instruments can be charted, you know, differently. And this is an example of where each column of the seven keys would be charted all at the same time. You guys are probably already hitting play, but I'll play it again. And it's a good example why you might not do that. It, it becomes a little bit of diarrhea <laughs> with the amount of notes. A lot of, oh my God. A lot of jackhammers, all that. The 30 hurts my brain. as it is. <laughs>
2: Are you kidding? It just looks like guitar freaks, like classic, but with more length.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that would be a mess. But that so you might say, oh, that's not good charting. And, but some people like that stuff. You know, who who knows? And then for the final example that Kevin gave, he, I mean, you can kind of explain this one, Kevin, since you put it together.
4: The basic idea was like to show that you can't just necessarily think hey, we need to play literally everything in the music for it to feel good. At some point, you have to make tough decisions about what should be played and what is most critical to the song. I love the bass lines that I wrote for this because they're super funky. But at some point, most people just want to have like, hold out the bass rhythm with their left hand and play out what they hear the most with their right hand. And so I made this version that shows you that you only hear exactly what you're playing and now the background music, so it gives you an idea of what the player is actually responsible for.
0: Right. Let me go ahead and play it for the recording.
5: That's
0: pretty neat. <clears throat> I like that. That was very good. It got a good reaction from the crowd, by the way.
2: Good work on that, Kevin.
4: Woo! Now play Neo Max for nostalgia and find out why I'm not nearly as good as this implies.
0: <laughs> you can find it online. Well, you linked it to your video, right? The the uh... download.
4: Oh, the Neo Max for Nostalgia video? Yeah. I, it, I don't know if I ever actually put the BMS in there because I was too ashamed of it. Because I kind of wanted, like, <laughs> or literally anyone else to make better charts for Because right now it's a mess. Oh,
2: yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, I know the train has played it. I think you got a D on the another or the hyper. The hyper. Yeah, even the hyper is impossible.
0: <laughs> Kevin is a great 2DX charger. I will say that till I die. I,
4: put, I took the time to the key sound everything, and that's like 90% of the work. But yeah, actually yeah. making it playable is the hard part.
0: Most of the work is chopping up the samples. Uh, and then so the other example that we gave was charts that are like charts where you move around and slide and dance and run and wave your arms and all that stuff. And so we, what we did was we showed basically the, the pump video, um, the USA routine, except it was uh, a guy dancing in the arcade, and he didn't know people were behind him. It's pretty entertaining. I can link to the YouTube video. I'm not going to play it right now. And then, this next bit, actually, I'll upload the slide first. This is kind of where Vincent was going to take over. However, he's not here, so. Let me see. Let me cut that out. Can I paste it? It, it keeps wanting to post. That's weird. Anyway. It just happened. What? What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I just got like a bunch of echo. 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 <clears throat> oh, that's the Dance Rush video, by the way. You guys can watch that later. It's pretty entertaining. <clears throat>
2: oh, I have seen that one. I like that
0: one. It's, it's a good one. Um, and so then the next slide was talking about breaking the rules. We went into this very long explanation about attribution on songs and multiple charts by multiple people i i'll spare you i mean get, unless you really want to talk about it kevin <laughs> do you really want to talk about it
4: talk about
0: the sayaka attribution on this reignite song uh
4: that's mostly just there was a huge mess of making it neon fm and so like three four different people end up working on it and the credits kind of got out of hand to the point they overlapped the song selection now it wasn't <laughs> ever supposed to end that way but that's how it started or i guess ended started and ended poorly with attribution let's put it that way
0: yeah, let's, let's put it that way yeah that's fair and then uh, Vince made a chart for Shock that it's on Pump, and he rated it 33, D D 33 doubles, <laughs> and it's a it's a little over the top. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he posted that on YouTube, did he?
4: Uh no, if he did,
0: I wonder. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and just find it. Let me see if it's big enough to be uploaded on Discord without having Nitro. Every day I shock. Shock. I,
3: I okay. thought you were about to say every time. We go.
0: Yeah. No, I don't have it, unfortunately. Okay. Well. Anyway, Vince is, is is ridiculous as usual. I'll just take a quick screen cap. How about that? I can pro- I can play it from the presentation. So in the <laughs> okay, you, you're you're gonna miss some of the some of the fun in the chart, but <clears throat> this is uh this is how bad it gets in in one spot. So you can get the idea. We have all these files, but they're not uploaded online. So that's kind of what one segment of the pipe of the chart looks like. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. So oh, it's, I've seen this chart. Yeah, it's it's absurd. <clears throat> I
2: mean, at that point, what are you? Are you just like doing the worm? It's yeah. You
3: actually it, have to
4: do that at one point on the shocks.
3: Yeah. You just gotta like flop
5: your entire body on the pad. Yeah. And, and it's
4: it's
3: moving. It's moving, it's moving
0: fast.
5: Yeah, it reminds me of a uh, doll play on Neon FM, the 140 chart.
4: Oh, yeah. Garcudo Dollplay on Neon NFM is hard for the sake of being hard.
5: I managed, I managed by the end of the con to actually get through it with still the 140 difficulty going.
0: Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. God. Just one. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, we talked about chart theory at this point. Uh, we defined it as music and pattern. It's the idea that music and patterns can be mapped to gameplay in consistent and intuitive ways. And then we we defined chart's intent uh, as the idea that a chart artist or a person making the chart has made the way in a has made the chart in a way that matches the song, and so that it feels right and it can be played uh, to match the music. So <laughs> we we yeah. there's a lot more to it. Uh, we talked about this wonderful human being that I'm sure you guys have all seen before. She's great. Everybody loves her. And uh, we gave, t- <laughs> that's pink, by the way, if you don't recognize her. And we gave two examples of charts. Um, oh, okay, great. I, it, it, for some reason, it posts it as an image. <laughs> I don't understand PowerPoint, but here it comes. So you can actually click those links. And in one example, it's really boring, and in one example, it's insane. And <laughs> so, watch that at your own at your own risk. Vince went on for a while. I don't know. Did you want to cover any of his major points about chart making, Kevin?
4: I thought the most interesting thing that he said was uh, the QA process for Pump It Up. How basically no one ever gets above a seven out of ten on their charts. Apparently they all hate their own charts. Um, and that, that is kind of a thing because the problem is, I think what we are trying to get at is with Char's intent we all have different interpretations of how we even hear the music. One person will hear a song and think oh, these accident parts of the background are the part that makes it groovy. This is the important part that we need to focus on and put all the emphasis on. Whereas another person might think, well the melody is fast moving makes for the best gameplay so I'm going to emphasize that. And the more you get into the thought process of how something should be charted, the more you start thinking, this person's wrong. My interpretation's the most fun interpretation. And it gets it can get a little out of hand.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, That's fair. I, I think that pretty much covered. And so then this was basically the final slide. Well, next to the last final slide where we asked the, the crowd, do you think rhythm games should strive for accuracy or do you think they should be more about gameplay mechanics? And so... I threw in some logos in there to subtly <laughs> imply. Uh,
3: versus. So They're yeah. Like forward.
0: Or. So I don't know. I mean, I might as well ask you guys. What do you guys think? What, do you, what, what type of games do you prefer? Do you guys prefer games that are just like challenging for the sake of challenge? Or do you want your games to feel like you're actually playing whatever instrument you're playing?
5: Hmm.
0: With me
3: and like uh, some of the charts on like a uh, PS4 too, like it's accurate in music, but it's also still like you know, challenging in a bit of way. So it's kind of like a good
0: mix, in. All right. What about you, uh, work
6: Um, I like. I mean, I definitely am playing games, right? So, I I, I enjoy a chart that. The gameplay mechanics feel good, and I'm not always concerned about like this is what it would be like on a real guitar or whatever. I think that a lot more thought and effort goes into gameplay-focused games. Nice. I mean, that's not that's not really fair. There's a lot of thought and effort that goes into like rocksmith
0: too. Yeah, Kevin's (laughs) about Kevin's about to jump down your throat.
4: Hey, Rocksmith made me more funny
0: than DDR ever did. Ooh. All right, well, Oof. Jinx, I I, I want to hear what you think, Jinx. Get a fresh perspective. Ooh.
2: First off, shame on you for making us die on one hill or another. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just said, asking the question.
2: <laughs> that said, I think it comes down to a mentality of, is the developer trying to make us feel like a musician, or is the developer trying to give us just some quick and easy entertainment. Uh, For example, like with Rock Band, when they chart things like power chords, any guitarist worth anything is gonna churn out a power chord easier than eating Cheetos. And so that tends to get charted as, you know, a real simple close three button chord or even you know, just a split two, something real easy. Is that more realistic? No, but to me, it gives a better insight on the musician side, what the difficulty might actually feel like on that. That said, between if you're going to make me die on one hill or another, I'm going to go with Konami just because, and granted, my, my scope on this is rather limited. I am almost exclusively a drum mania player, and I think we can all agree that, you're, you're not really given a whole lot of freedom with charting when it comes to percussion. Mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of do what it's doing. And it comes down to, was the song good or was the song fun? That kind of affects the charting. But at least with modern Gita Dora, most songs coming out anymore have four difficulties. And if you just want to, you know, have fun with it and do kind of the, the I'm a rock star and I'm jamming out thing, go ahead, play something on advanced. If you want to learn it and just have a casual time, Play it on basic, but then, you know, scale up to master if you want a realistic experience on it. No one's forcing you to play any one difficulty or another. And frankly, no one should be shaming you into playing one difficulty or another. Um, But really, I think the open-endedness that Konami gives you, what with having the ability to track your precision, but at the same time not forcing you into like this pigeonhole of oh look at you you have to be this this drum machine this guitar machine uh, I kind of like that a bit better than just the really loose uh, harmonics yeah we put it on the screen what the hell else you want sort of way
0: mm-hmm. I think
4: harmonics has fixed that though like especially the Rock Band 4 there are now solo sections that just follow the song you don't have to harmonics more recent focus has just been on do you feel like a musician. Uh, and that means giving you more freeform sections than they used to.
2: <clears throat> Can't feel like a musician when they <clears throat> don't make your instruments anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Uh,
6: I wanted to. I I feel like we didn't really talk about the the difference in song length for yeah. like U.S. versus Asian games. I, and I also the, yeah. I was just thinking in-house that. artists. Yeah. That like. You know, they they have a team of people that are writing music specifically for that game. Usually in Japan, um, and it's not so much like check out this '70s classic rock, you know, this eight minute banger or whatever.
0: <laughs> it's a ba- I wouldn't call '70s rock a banger. But okay. <laughs>
6: Man,
4: I had to play in a Gata uh, in a or whatever, the Iron Butterfly song. <laughs> in the my uh, yeah, song. I don't really care. I don't really care. I had to play that for a week in Atlanta. Uh, the bass, fortunately, in Rock Band 4, they now give you a measure count for when you come back in, which is great because I was on base, and there's 168 measures of rest. So I called my mom for Mother's Day on that day and I still got done before I got came back to my bass part.
2: Hey, for any of you guys laughing at like seventies, like just uh, like rocking classic tunes, you obviously did not play Hocus Pocus in uh Gitadora. Oh, Hocus
0: anyway. Pocus is amazing. It's really Oh,
2: that's fun. A, that truly a shining star.
0: I wish I wish John was here because he, he stand that chart really hard on guitar breaks. Even on I guess it was on V seven, right? Is that? v7 xg maybe
2: i think it debuted on v uh or maybe V4 no or it was, no it's
0: even pre- yeah no it was v5 you're right yeah it's, yeah it's a little earlier yeah, yeah. it was V v5 it's like the
2: only series i know about is mm-hmm. Romanian guitar freaks you asked me about like tuning them earlier and i'm just like if you had no context of what was going on on the screen it looks like a scene from like a 90s like hacker movie just watching them like wail <laughs> away on the keys there
0: well, I, yes, I, I skipped over. We had a couple Get of tunism examples. We uh, <clears throat> Pop Team Epic had a chart in Tunhythm. Uh It was another YouTube video. Uh, it's the game is fun. It's I enjoy it, but it also does a lot of goofy things with charts too. <clears throat> uh, Kevin explains it best. If you want to talk about the shade of green thing. Uh. <laughs>
4: So, Pop Team Epic and, Ch- like, two has an entire section called World's End Charts, which are nothing but gimmick charts. But uh, Pop Team Epic is unique in that the hardest chart, uh, the master chart, is um, actually partly co-designed by the original author of Pop Team Epic. Uh, and you can tell when you get to the parts that he came up with, because it's basically a complete shitpost. Uh, None that it makes any sense, but it still works. And then it gets worse in the World's End chart, where the credits change to... Ah, ichmin no kuso which is like ah, it's a nice shit say uh, shade of shit green, <laughs> and so every note becomes an air note, which has a green arrow above it, and there's so many notes, it just becomes a wall of green.
2: <laughs> I feel like if you win, you've still lost because you just paid real money to get shit posted.
4: Yeah, not only that, you actually paid double money because World's End Chart requires two credits.
2: Yeah, it's, really, it's you have to pay more for a gimmick. Yes. <laughs> That's a thing.
3: Actually, wow. Okay. Is the future we live in now?
2: Yes. The worst possible timeline. God bless.
4: Isn't that the point of Pop Epic? Is that he insults you for having bought this manga? <laughs> he does.
0: Yeah. He does, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I will <laughs> say on a, on on average, unless you play the Bimani tunes in them most of the songs in them are like slightly longer than what you might be expect or used to for two DX. So it is. It's an it's an okay value. It's not. <clears throat> It's not completely lost um, in the monies. Where's
2: all, where's all our love for Nostalgia?
6: them is a much better game than Nostalgia. Yeah,
0: way better.
2: I think <laughs> like Nostalgia has the, the potential having... to be great. Oh, having oh yeah, way
6: remember that one video of,
3: like, and someone posted, like, this person is amazing, but the person playing <laughs> is just, like,
6: spearing the keys. Oh, yeah, that I blew up.
4: Yeah, because it was Xavier Woods tweeting that.
6: Yeah, Xavier Woods is, like a wrestler right i actually yeah, don't
0: wrestler. know much about him but yeah he's, he's a wrestler yeah
2: i'm not gonna hide that i was honestly just waiting for the second coming of keyboard mania i want my super session back <laughs> yeah.
0: all right so the thing about nostalgia it's like i i want it to be good I, I i really do and it does give you options for high speed it it gives you options it even does like offset options like 2dx does um but it it just does it feels so unsatisfying to play because it it does the same sort of like uh up and over note thing that neon fm kind of does uh neon fm is vertical so i personally to me i think it's harder to read a neon fm because it's a a taller screen but it's just it it doesn't feel and even they even do a metronome like nostalgia has a metronome in the background to help you keep time and somehow it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything it, it's a weird feeling. Is there no like
2: tactile, like visceral so, feeling so when you push the
0: the, key? the the keys? Do like they do give a little bit, but they don't. Obviously, they don't click. They're they're closer to like keyboard keys, and the the game, the way the game's designed, similar to Tuna-Them, is that you've got like bars, like areas of of range that you're supposed to hit. And so, like, on higher difficulty, those bars become a little bit smaller, and so you're, you're hitting closer to more specific keys. But, like, on like the normal difficulties, it's just, like, if you just sort of smack your hands on the keys, you know, with some... Like, somewhat Like in that video. <laughs> yeah, somewhat accurately. You know, no
6: offense to that, dude. But...
0: <laughs> then you'll hit the note. It, but it... it it's hard to explain, but it's just not satisfying. It's not a very satisfying game to play.
4: The problem is, there's like really no juice when you hit the notes. It's hard to even tell you're actually hitting the rhythm correct. Exactly. And that's my biggest problem.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell that you're in time with it. Despite having key rhythm.
4: Like, Tune Rhythm does a better job yeah. of it and has less tactile feedback. That's like what's amazing to me.
0: Which is crazy.
6: It has yeah. more like, sound effects that yeah. keep. Yeah, it's like you hit a note and you can feel that you hit it because it, it's got something. Aud- like audio based that yeah. lets you know
0: super audible uh, tac- tactility through the so it's kind of like uh, reflect beat or if you guys remember reflect beat it was probably one of the first games to do it but you you have like the puck sounds and so the more accurate you are the the higher the chirp is poppin does it now with their game and a couple other games do I think my does it but yeah like the chirp sound that you hit with the note is loud and clear when you're on beat and then. The other effects also have their own sound effects that are also equally as loud and, and responsive. So, the the motion where you lift your hand has its own sound effect. The the motion where you come back down from a hold in the air has a sound effect. So, it even though you're you're playing an IR game, it's it's using a bunch of infrared beams. It feels good.
2: <clears throat> so, are we basically saying that like on its physical premises, nostalgia isn't inherently broken but there's definitely some problems with the interface and the way that you you get responses out of the gameplay that need to be addressed
0: so uh, yeah yeah so like i'll say it was based off of beat stream cabs so you navigate the menus with your hand touching the screen that's its first problem you can't navigate the menus with the keyboard Really? Yeah. I
2: didn't know
0: that. So I was using like Raven Max gloves, gave me the hookup, and I had to take my hand, my gloves off between songs to navigate the menus, which kind of sucked.
3: Talked about mutilating a dead course.
0: But then on top of that, yeah, like it's just the feedback is just not satisfying. It doesn't feel good, and I wanted to like it because there's a lot of cool remixes on there that are just like piano based, like specifically made for nostalgia, like. A version of Flower that's actually played like on a grand piano, specifically written for the game. It, you know, it's just stuff like that. I, I mean, I, if
4: they wanted to fix nostalgia, they here's a song to add, a hint.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Konami. I hope you're listening.
4: Uh, one thing I think they could do to actually fix the uh, the juicing part. When you play real piano, or at least your left hand, like you're playing alternating octaves, which is a very common pattern to lose track of in nostalgia, mm-hmm. if the game was slightly velocity sensitive, like not all the way, so like, you could emphasize the lower or higher note of the octaves you're alternating between, that would really help with keeping rhythm and make it feel more like you're playing piano if they'd let you change the volume of notes of how hard you play. yeah, That's it, like the fun part of playing piano well.
0: As far as I can tell, it's key-sounded. The game is key-sounded.
4: Yeah, it's key sound, so they could do it if they wanted to, if the keys were, like, velocity sensitive. I think that would really solve a lot of problems with nostalgia.
2: You see, that's what weirds me out, like, with uh, Ghiridora. Like, the drums, you go into the operator menu, and you can very clearly see that it can detect how hard you're hitting it. Yet, we're not making use of velocity in in the percussion game. I mean it's just like yeah, why why are we sitting on
0: this? We we talked a little bit about that in the in the presentation. Actually in that slide with the drum mania stuff that the, the nuance of like velocity and like timber and all that stuff is lost really dynamics. The dynamics of the drum kit, exactly. So
2: Yeah, but it's it's not lost because they they didn't have a way to do it. They, they just didn't they, they, didn't, they, they
6: have the not. technology. Exactly. <laughs>
4: One thing we didn't bring up during the panel, Guitar Hero already attempted to fix this. They started charting notes that you're supposed to hit harder and notes that you're barely supposed to hear. They're like ghost notes into other notes. But no one cared.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Guitar Hero. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. I know.
4: It
2: might be more of a problem when no one caring about Guitar Hero at this stage in the game.
4: I mean, this was back when it was popular. This is like Guitar Hero World Tours, the fourth one. That's when I started doing it.
3: I take the effort. To go out of bed,
5: and, uh, the minimal effort, and I come hearing talk about Guitar Hero. No,
4: oh, well, yeah, that was the point of this panel. We yeah. told you that in
6: advance.
0: Yeah, you you <laughs> missed everything. <laughs> nice it's, to see you, Pie. It's Pie, everybody. I
6: love... It's
3: it's pie Girl.
0: Pie Girl. All right. Uh, I think we're gonna go ahead and end the show. I mean we we've done a lot of good talking. I appreciate all of you. I Thank wanted to that. say something. I want you about to say. I want you to say something about Poppin.
6: Uh, I was going to say that the the audio like cues that they added recently are not necessary for Poppin because you get so much of that from just the button slapping. Like in terms I of agree. keeping beat. I so I, really I like hate it in Poppin.
4: But for me, they help because it helps me understand what the latency yeah. actually is. Yeah. With jingle bells.
6: Yeah, I don't. I don't it's, like that. I think it's it's good for touch-based games and not necessary for games with physical. Yeah, like it's
0: like, physical buttons and key sounds. buttons. You got key sounds. Like what's going on? I I feel like they added it to keep up with the casual crowd because I think Konami knows their market mm-hmm. well. But I I don't like it as an OG uh, old head <laughs> that likes my key sounds. <clears throat> anyway. I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, It's been great. I'm going to go ahead and and end us on this K-Turn Garlic Squad review. But before we do, I I, I already knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted Kevin to go ahead and plug his event because it's coming up pretty soon. And we want people to go, right? I think so. Yeah.
4: I think it's going to be pretty cool. So we have a new event, pretty new for the Southeast. It's called Running in the 90s based on the song of the same name uh you may remember the panel that we mentioned earlier the car part and tech car panels so we are rinsing out a bar in chattanooga regan's place and it, it, we are just rinsing it out from 6 p.m to 9 p.m on june 8th and basically what we're doing is we have a whole night where we are running through some of those popular tunes, uh some of our own favorites as well we'll be teaching two new songs there as well uh free entry 21 plus and up so if you happen to feel like heading on down to Chattanooga on a Saturday night, you know where to find me.
0: That's the event page. I've also I'm showing it on the screen right now, so
4: wait, can I still get my
2: Scroll Scout badge from this?
4: Nope, too late. Sorry.
0: You <laughs> missed it.
6: Are you in second or third grade?
2: <laughs> yes. I'm
4: actually in first, but I'm like considering next year.
0: So check it out, guys. Go run in the 90s with Bill. Bill's going to be there, apparently. Bill Shillitoe is going, according to my Facebook. Yes,
4: Bill, he's pretty much running. He's doing the mega mix. I'm doing the video work on it. So it's going to be a wild ride.
2: I've not caught up with him in
5: forever. Oh, he's around. He makes I mean, if you hair. want to
4: catch up, you got three hours to do so at Running in the '90s. Yeah, so com- I suggest you <laughs> <that>. all the <laughs> way from Nebraska.
0: Come down from Nebraska.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Let me let me go talk Nebraska. to my, uh, my secretary on that. <laughs> go get a flight arranged. Seriously, though, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um, it was fun, and I, I I like your insight. It was good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this out, but in the meantime, I want everybody to say goodbye. 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 Bye, Bye, Play Master <laughs> If you want people to play you gotta link it. I did. Oh, there the It has
3: way. the links to the Step Mania and DMS chart right now.